Hey everyone, good evening. This is Elliot Barr, your normal host for Can I Kick It FC. I just want to take out the time for me and my co-host, Shanira Duran II, just to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time of your day to listen to our podcast. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. We're coming up on 60 episodes, season three. Wow, crazy, right? Today's episode is all centered around Black supporter group culture, how it started, why is it important, things like that, with special co-host Grego from For the Culture United. Real quick, before we get started, I just want to also say, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram at CanIKickItFC, on Twitter at C-I-K-I-F-C, for all our exclusive content, history posts, things of that nature. And also, one last thing, I promise, make sure you take some time out to follow our sister and brother podcast, For the Culture United, Two Cents FC, Shade Butter FC, and also Kyle McCullough. She's going to grad school. Help her out. So, I promise. You're going to love this show. Sit back, enjoy, and make sure to share with a friend. Welcome to a special episode of the Cannot Kick It FC podcast. This is Grego from FTC UTD, giving you guys a special roundtable episode uh, dedicated to uh, the Black supporter groups around this great country of ours. Uh, for those of y'all that are new to, to the um, platform, Cannot Kick It is a podcast built on telling the stories of Black athletes, coaches, and, and owners that have impacted the game of soccer, both on and off the pitch. Um, have a big show uh, with you from uh, uh, with you. So uh, let's see if we can uh, get our crew here on on this on the stage with you real quick. Um, we got uh, Kurt. We got. Here we go. Got wrist. Like so I'm, I'm gonna give all all y'all the the opportunity to introduce yourselves in just a moment. I'm just waiting on Yogi to roll everyone out because, like I said, we got a big cast tonight. Again, thank you guys for joining us live on YouTube, Twitter, everywhere that you have um, come to see us today. Like some voice that you are have heard before on our various uh, shows, some are brand new to the scene. So again, thank you guys for all jumping on tonight. Uh, let's see how many we got here. Like, oh, we got a whole crew tonight. So, so we gonna see how, how this goes. Um, before we go on, like again, thank you guys. So let's, uh, let's go all the way down here to the most Yogi's best enough. Let's go down the bottom. Uh, Ma'am, how are you doing tonight? Introduce yourself. Oh, hello. Can y'all hear me? Yes, ma'am. All right. What's up? I'm Sky from Shea Butter FC, um, the podcast about two black women's perspective on football, culture, and everything in between. Um, so, yeah, I'm out here. What, what, uh, what supporter group are you rapping? Oh, okay. Oh, in the background. You can see AC Pandemonium for Angel City SC, um, but then just out here in general. 
We're we're glad to have you on. Next up, we got Josh from Tigers, LAFC. What's good with you, boss? What's up, family? This is Josh. Um, I'm representing Tiger Supporters Group out of Koreatown, Los Angeles, and I'm really happy to be here, guys. I, I've, I've been able to to talk to Grego and Sky and Doug and my, my big my big my big bro Jake over there. So um, yeah, really happy to get to know you guys more. Indeed, indeed. And on that note, uh, Big Jake, what's what's happening with you, man? Hello, hello. Thanks for the invite on here. Super cool to see everyone in one place. You want to introduce yourself? Let, let them know who you are. Are you? Are you I know you ain't shy. Your internet's working. I'm a co-founder of Black Fires for uh, Red Stars and Chicago Fire, and every pretty much every other team here in Chicago. So cool, cool. Glad to have you on. Next up is the living legend, Kurt McGirt, Kurt Jenkins. What's going on with yeah. you, boss? Not too much. Uh, founder and former president of Footy Mob, now repping the uh, Canadian chapter of Footy Mob here in the wild. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. And new to the stage, we got Riss from Rose Room. What's up, lady? Oh, not much going on. I am one of four co-founders of Rose Room Collective for DC United and the Washington Spirit from the NWSL. And and with her is also Doug from Rose Room. What's good, boss? Hey, hey. Yeah, with Riss, we helped co-found Rose Room Collective representing DC United and the Washington Spirit. And I'm excited to be here with everybody. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, next up, we got uh, got some new kids on the block. We got Jermaine from Black Harris down in Miami. Y'all like brand new on the scene. What's, what's up, man? Brand new, brand new. What's going on, everyone? Uh, my name is Jermaine. I'm one of the co-founders of Black Herons down here uh, in Miami. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to be a part of the movement. Cool, cool. And last but not least, we have got Brian, Brian uh, from, from the Mixtape in Nashville. What's good with you, man? Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Brian here, Mixtape 615. I am the acting president of the organization, and um, we're glad to be a part of the conversation. Um, we need to do more of this as being Black supporters and networking and connecting and having roundtables, so I'm happy to be here. Now, now, te- technically, I, I did not intentionally uh, forget Kyle. Yogi told me, don't mention Ford, but, you know, it's, it's all good to me. You know, rivals stay rivals. I get it. But uh, what's, what's good with your boss? I'm good. Hello, everyone. I'm Kyle Carr. I am one of three co-founders for Featherstone Flamingos for Ford Madison FC. So myself, April Kigea, and Chris Fox. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm sure that was the instruction that Yogi gave you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad to have everyone on tonight. Uh, again, it's uh, we try to have have this um, roundtable conversation at least once a year. Try to get everyone around the culture and just uh, you know chop chop it up and uh, talk about things that are going on within the supporter culture. As I think voices of color uh, begin to um, uh, to, to rise that um that are under under underrepresented and everything. But uh, let's uh, kick this thing off uh, just to kind of open things up. Um, how did your supporter group get started? So let's start with uh, actually let's start with uh, uh, Brian. So basically, Mixtape 615 came together because there was a feeling, right, um, among our particular supporter group collective that, you know, we needed kind of more representation. We needed more diversity. 
And um, essentially Eric Brown, Brandon Taylor, a collective of four came together and decided that, you know, we really needed to represent um, soccer, which obviously we had a new expansion MLS team coming to town. We had a USL presence before that. But, you know, we would go to matches, but, you know, we would be, you know, kind of specs <laughs> in the flower, right, of, mm-hmm. um, you know, essentially the people that came out to watch and support the club, right? So we wanted to see some of that change. Um, we've had different experiences in different SGs that preexisted the Mixtape 615, but um, a group of people got together and they decided that, hey, we need to essentially represent Nashville, which is 25, 25 to 28%, depending on the year, right? African-American, mm-hmm. and we need to sure. make sure that we tap into that community and we grow the sport. So that's really what we're here for. We're here to uh, grow the sport within our community, make a you know an environment where people that have our hue, melanin and skin can come out and enjoy the match just like anybody else in our community. So that's really where we started and um, that's where we're going currently in 2022. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Josh, uh, tell us a bit about, about Tigers, of course. Uh, uh, you know, Tigers is primarily focused on Korean uh, uh, supporters out in LA, but yeah, like I said, y'all, y'all have a great story. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, man, it's... Um... You know, it was kind of the people who pondered. I was kind of the second wave of it, but it was a mix of like the, the group of weird Korean kids who love soccer in LA and trying to figure out how we can make an imprint on the game. I mean, LA being a uh, majority minority city as, as is, like you have to so many great cultures, but there's definitely we did feel like that kind of Asian Asian American voice was a bit underserved, and a lot of us were new to MLS in, in uh, as as kind of a field to to get a, get a part of. Um, but I think as we start to, to to grow our supporters supporter group from Koreatown, we realized that um, the place the neighbor that we we all stayed at, that most of us lived at, was um, you know it was a, a good reflection of the city itself. So it was not only just Korean folk, but it was Vietnamese folks, it was um, Latino folks, Latinx folks of all of all different kind of national origins as well. And so. I think mixing in the Koreatown-ness, the LA-ness into what we what we chose to originate as became really the nice wrinkle and how we evolved into, I think, a true representative of our little corner of LA. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's, it's it's really come to, uh, we're, we're really listening and figuring out our place kind of in the larger um, ecosystem of supporter groups. We're learning along the way, but at this time, I think we know we have a lot to, to offer and to share but also it's to stand in solidarity with a lot of um, kind of different underrepresented groups across that. So listening a lot to the black supporter group culture that's found here is super kind of pivotal to, to what we're doing here in, uh, here in LA and trying to fig- figure out how we truly embody and represent, uh, you know, our corner of Los Angeles, but also the larger footballing world here in the country and how can we grow this game together? Like that's what we're about. And that's what we're here to listen, listen to and uh, hopefully learn from everybody here. Absolutely. And uh, I saw the comment on, on YouTube uh, from G- Giovanni Martinez. Uh, yes, that t- uh, South Korea Tiger kit is the absolute shit. And, Appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, um, I'm going to bounce uh, between Riss and uh, Doug because I definitely want to hear about uh, uh, Rose Room. Uh, tell us about it. Do you want to go first, Doug? <laughs> Just flip the coin. <laughs> and Doug's on mute, but hey, we'll keep, we'll make it work. 
Yeah, let's open it up like like this. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Russ. Okay, so um, for me, Rose Room was actually brought to me by Doug. Um, I had never really taken into account, you know, being a person of color who is a really big fan of soccer, especially women's soccer. Um, and we actually met through <laughs> the Spirit Squadron, uh, which is another supporters group for the Washington Spirit. And we actually met at the draft back in 2020. Um, and he brought this to me probably in December of 2020. And we kind of just had a conversation about, hey, like, how do you feel about starting a POC supporters group for the Spirit and DC United? Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm totally in for that because I really don't know any other people who are POCs who are into soccer like I am. Um, and I feel like it would be a really great safe space for a lot of people. So that's kind of how I got roped into Rose Room. Come on, piggyback on that, Doug. <laughs> okay, I figured out how to unmute myself. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, myself and Aaron Bland, who he's not here, but he's, he might be watching tonight. We were kicking around this idea for a while of just like forming our own supporter group. And personally, I had noticed all of the leaderships among these groups were almost all white. And kind of to kind of how um, Josh pointed out earlier, very much in a city that's majority POC. And I thought that can't stand here. I, I That's got to change. So we literally took it upon ourselves to say, let's form our own crew. And that uh, somewhere along the way, I met Riss and I invite her in. Hey, it was like, hey, you want to be a part of this? And we formed this. Yeah, I, um, I grew up a DC fan. And just from like the experiences that I had um, going to games or RFK, uh, that was something that actually influenced me as far as my experience uh, down here in Atlanta. And uh, and on that note, uh, of course, Kurt, we, you and I have, have gone back basically since like day one, I, I remember uh, seeing you and Stefan uh, at, at the brew house at the USA Mexico game. And like, uh, tell us about how they got started. I mean, for us, it basically started the day of the launch. Uh, we were there, we were with other supporters groups at the time. And I think it's the same as everybody else here where you just feel like you don't have your, your thing. You don't have your space. So we decided to make one and we were extremely fortunate, I mean, to be in a city like Atlanta where black culture is so integral to the actual city's culture, where it's not that heavy a lift. It's just part A straight into part B. And that made it so much easier for us to get the the ethos of Footy Mob out to people and they were able to see it, latch on to it, and then join in if they wanted to. And so it's just big for us to have that ethos in that city at that time. Yeah, um, and I'm liking that that background, by the way. That's uh, that's that's very very nice and colorful. And shout out to uh, to Doug's uh, sweatshirt because yeah, the uh, DC statehood definitely needs to happen. Fifty first state holiday. That. Um, uh, let's go with Jermaine with uh, Black Harris. What's what's good, man? Yeah, what's good. Um... You know, to be honest, um, a lot of the ideas surrounding Black Herons actually came from a lot of the existing uh, Black SGs that, that, that were already in place. Um, of course, uh, Featherstone, uh, For the Culture, Black Fires. Um, I've actually, you know, I actually reached out to them in, back in 2019, just trying to get a sense of, you know, what was, ha what was happening in this Black supporter culture. 
Um, and so once once Inner Miami launched, um, it became very evident <laughs> that a black supporter group uh, was needed. And so I uh, reached out to a few people uh, through Twitter. I was part of a couple of uh, Twitter uh, DMs, uh, Twitter groups uh, that were, uh, you know, supporters of Inner Miami. So I realized that there were a couple of black people in these groups. I reached out to them and we kind of started, you know, talking about this idea of black herons um, really in 2021 um, and then we officially launched uh, this year. But in Miami, it's a little bit uh, different, right? I think um, what we're seeing throughout the U.S. soccer culture Right, is this kind of overwhelming whiteness of mm -hmm. U.S. soccer culture that a lot of the Black SGs are trying to fight against, are trying to not not even fight against, but just trying again, trying to be more representative, right? And so, um, in Miami, the soccer culture is very uh, Latinx, right? And so, even in that, though, uh, blackness seemed to have uh, been marginalized in the representation of the club, um, and so it became very easy to just make a claim in Miami that has such a large black population, particularly a, a you know, Caribbean population and an African mm -hmm. population, right. uh, just to tap into those communities that were already uh, very passionate about the game. Um, so yeah, that's how, that's how we got started. And it's, uh, it's been, it's been uh, going ever since. Yeah. Like uh, uh, the few guys that I, I knew down in Miami um, that I knew were actively involved with in Miami. I was like, absolutely like a black group needs to happen like like sooner rather than later i mean i kept saying like uh you know reach out to liberty city like well like call uncle luke somebody it's like like this absolutely has to happen so i'm actually, i'm really glad that you guys are are on the scene uh making it work um mr payne first of all sun's up and uh what's 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 good with uh black fires I saw Kyle laughing. Don't say anything, bro. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I think our story is very similar to a lot of other people on here. Um, it's me and my co-founder, Phil, who I know is watching. Uh, he's going to be texting me all sorts of dumb Big shit. Big Phil. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was the same realization that a lot of other people in this group had of me and Phil going to these games being in a city with such a big black population, like such a big influential black population and just going there and like being the only black people at the game, just like, how is this possible? Like this really can't be it. Um, you see so many other cultures like here, like Polish, like Latinx cultures, like brought forth through the game, like through song, through imagery and stuff like that. And like, I think black culture in Chicago gets the same kind of rap that we do of like not really having the same space as everyone else. Uh, so we just got tired of that. And um, we are working to bring black imagery to bring, bring black culture uh, and just like give black people a space to be themselves at these games where they're not feeling like um, they have to draw back to be able to be uh, accepted. So that's our, that's our thing. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah, Shout there, out there he goes. <laughs> oh, man, that's what's up. And, um, and then, of course, Brother Stone, Kyle. For, and um, if, if for those of y'all who are watching that are in the state of Wisconsin, vote for April Carr, uh, whatever election day is. <laughs> what you got, Kyle? Yeah, so I think with Featherstone is a little bit of a different situation than everyone else, just because when we first started, that was in 2019, which was Ford Madison's first season. 
So there was already the flock that was kind of starting. That was kind of the main, you know, SG that was kind of overseeing things. Shortly after Labara, so our they are the supporter group for folks that identify as Latinx. They had that started a couple months uh, after the mm-hmm. flock, and then that was kind of it. And for Chris, he was kind of thinking, well, this is something we would love to do. He brought up the idea to April and myself, and we were just like, yeah, let's go for it. So after a couple times meeting, talking about it, seeing what we wanted to do, we were kind of able to go with it. So for us, it was a little bit different just because at this point, you know, the season had just started. Everything was still pretty new. So it did give us the opportunity to kind of get a head start on it. You know, we didn't have to like look around and be like, okay, something needs to change. We were able to say, let's go ahead and make that change ourselves. So that's how we were able to start and how we were able to kind of build off of that with uh, 2019. Absolutely. Um, I think I got everybody here. So let's, uh, let's, let's get this thing uh, kicked off. Um, uh, I guess the first question I want to ask everybody is like, what demographic does your supporters group um, serve in your community? Like, like who are you reaching out to? Let's open up, open up to everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to start pointing people out. <laughs> yeah, like, don't be shy. Well, the way we kind of um, describe ourselves is that we're an all-inclusive Black supporter group, meaning that we're all-inclusive and that anybody can join, doesn't matter the race, gender, sexuality, or supporter group, right? Anyone can join, um, but you have to be committed to doing the work, right? And so that's the Black part in Black supporter group, right? Is that we're focused on centering uh, Black culture, Black communities, um, Black experiences. Uh, So, for example, we're doing some work with Little Haiti. Um, they have a football club, Little Haiti FC, shout out to them. Um, so just like little things like that, we're trying to, you know, again, make a presence in um, different, you know, uh, just black black pockets throughout throughout Miami. So, um, the, you know, the, the focus is definitely um, black culture, black people uh, and black experiences, but anyone can join, right? That's kind of, you know, like a lot of people are like, what do you mean by all inclusive black? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, anyone, like, you don't have to be black to support black people, right? So anybody can join is that we're just centering the black experience. Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of echo that same thing with Featherstone. It's like, obviously anyone can join. The biggest thing is you're doing kind of like he would say, doing your part to promote, to celebrate, to help out the black community in Madison. You know, if that's, you know, promoting businesses, supporting black owned businesses, you know, trying to get black youth involved in soccer, or at least attending matches or even just doing just being anti-racist in general. Like those are the things that we're trying to do. So while it is kind of ran and, you know, it's primarily April, Chris, myself, you know, making the calls, doing what we need to do, planning the events. Anyone is free to join. Anyone is free to help out as long as you are willing to put in that work to be that ally uh, to the black community in Madison. What about you, Josh? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of a similar ethic to us too, where we extend um, the we extend an invitation to everybody, but uh, we make no qualms about centering the kind of Korean culturalness of it. And I think that's what you know makes kind of our uh, our supporter group unique in its way. And I think mm-hmm. it's along the way, it's uh, been able to, as, as um, Jermaine, you were saying before, like how we how we choose to celebrate this stuff, right? Together as as, as that people group, as, as all kind of intercultural uh, kind of exchange going together. Like we've had like, I think our, the demographics of our supporter groups like hinge um, kind of 50-50 in terms of like uh, Korean, Asian, Asian American and Latinx. And then you have kind of pockets of 
of our white white supporters and our black supporters who are there, but it's definitely still uh, predominantly uh, Korean, Asian, and Latino. And I think in that, it's what we found is that people are um, people who want to learn more about kind of Asian culture and Asian cultural customs and the way that we choose to center um, kind of our culture into soccer culture. Um, it's just kind of an open-mindedness. I think that's that's really something that uh, that no matter where what our demographic is, you look to in our community, like we'll have um, we'll have the the focus on that. Now, I did not forget about you, Sky. Uh, I know you, you got your thing going on with uh, with pandemonium. Um, so, like, like what? Um, of course, uh, with things with uh, NWSLA, like what demographic? Like, who who are y'all typically targeting out in LA as well? Um, I think it's inclusive to everybody. Um, largely currently, due to some things that happened earlier <laughs> last year, not gonna get into, but it's largely Latino and Asian. Um, a couple of us black people up in there, but um, yeah, it's pretty from what I've seen in the current ones that are existing. Um, for the NWSL side, the it's probably the most diverse of the SGs. In my opinion. Well, no, no, no. Take it back. There's a couple of other ones, but yeah, the in the case of Pandemonium, it's pretty. It's half and half Asian, Pacific Islander, and then um Latino. Cool, cool. Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of Shea Butter FC a podcast by, for, and about Black women in soccer, featuring your hosts, Sky and Sills. This week, we recap the She Believes Cup and our time in Carson, California to watch the matches as media members. Next, we recap some of the other international competitions in women's soccer. Then we bring back our Shea Butter Superlatives to highlight the success of Black players in WOSO over the international break. And finally, we bring you our hits and riffs and rants and raves of the week. As always, please rate, like, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SBFC underscore podcast. Lastly, please check out our website, www.sheabutterfc.com for some of our latest and exclusive content. Until next time, we'll see you when we see you. Um, uh, just to uh, keep things going, like, what are some challenges that uh, that y'all have faced in, in building your uh, SG from the from the ground up? Um, I guess I could speak as far as uh, Nashville goes. So, for mixtape six one five, one of the things that we had to really uh, discover is that is mainly teaching the community here in Nashville what the porter culture is, right? Like mm -hmm. we're kind of the, the diehards, right? Not necessarily the casuals. Um, mm -hmm. We're the people that, you know, watch every match. We travel to away games. You know, we really, um, you know, kind of live and breathe the club club itself, right? So I can say at least from um, our perspective, um, that's one of the things that we've really had to work on um, as our SG. Um, I think we had a very good launch. Actually, our SG was birthed during Juneteenth of last year. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was very inclusive, right? I mean, 
it was very educational, I should say, right? So we had a lot of great support from all of the SGs, the club itself. They had a huge party for us in the middle of, you know, a, a predominantly black neighborhood, right? So it was very educational. And, you know, we've been getting a lot of great support um, from the community ourselves. So I would say the challenges for us is mainly just uh, getting more people, right, to uh, kind of get fully involved into a supporter group culture and just kind of, you know, show that out in the community. But, you know, I can guarantee you from everybody we brought to one Nashville SC match, you know, we have them hooked instantly. It's a beautiful game, right? And mm -hmm. um, also being a successful club to this point, um, you know, has helped with that. So we really have to capitalize on that and grow. So I think our challenge is, you know, continuing to get people to the games and we're working as an SG to get more of us at the matches. And then also uh, just to continue to be involved and visible in the community and doing uh, community initiatives. Now, now her, I think uh, 40 Mob is the oldest group um, uh, in, in the group here. So like, um, I know like we've talked about this before in the past, like uh, what's the challenges as far as just finding us um, you know, and trying to get and get and get us involved uh, with uh, with supporter culture period, and then also just you know building um, the group. Mute, 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 mute. I think the biggest thing is the gatekeeper gatekeeping, mm -hmm. because when you come to an experience, you're bringing all of your prior experiences, and American soccer has by and large had a certain party that they've always thrown. And it's the one that they know, it's the one they go to, it's the same songs every week. But now you have people coming in who listen to different music, dress a different way. They still want a party, but the party doesn't quite look the same, even though there's still music, still all the same components. It's getting people to understand that it's not subtracting from what they do, it actually adds to what everyone is doing. And there seemed to be a good bit of fear and hesitance for lack of better terms about letting people in and be their authentic selves and understanding that you know what learning something new doesn't actually hurt you it takes 10 minutes to give something an honest try versus an hour and a half of pushing back and so getting past that hurdle which was in some cases just continuing to exist makes such a big difference and i think that's the biggest barrier is for everyone in their city and their supporters sections, how do you get past that initial hurdle of, yes, I'm here. Yes, we're for real. No, we aren't going away. And by the way, we are now doing these things and there's nothing you can do to stop us from doing. I think once you get over that initial hurdle, it's all downhill, but it's getting that understanding that you are not going away. That is the biggest thing to to get people to buy into. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so like you want to say something, Kyle, what you got? I guess in terms of hurdles and gatekeeping, obviously, I think one of the biggest things, though, is people have been so used to soccer being so white that they haven't had a chance to come to the fact that there are others that are going to want to be involved in it. You know, obviously, it feels like every supporter group has had some issue when it came to the emergence of black supporters, when it came to the emergence of even just, you know, Asian or Pacific Islander cultures or Latin cultures. Like, it feels like when they start getting more and more involved, there's been more pushback 
for a lot of these SGs, and a lot of it is because they've been so used to soccer being so white that all of a sudden it's like, well, hold on, it's the world's game. It needs to be represented by the whole world. So I think that's the biggest issue with the gatekeeping sign. And also people like the people that were in power want to keep that power. And whether they're still there or whether they've stepped aside, you know, you kind of see it. People always have their issues where that's not how we did things. Well, that's fine. Well, there's a lot of shit that we did do back in the day that needed to change. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing for people is coming to that fact of you can't have the status quo be the status quo or else you're going to look like an ass. Um to add, if I can add on top of what Kyle mentioned, that's something we've kind of run into here because of the fact that more more on the DC United side, not so much on the Spirit mm-hmm. side, that DC United's been around since 1996. So you have all these SGs that have been around forever yeah. and have operated the same way and they've had all their dramas and stuff. And many people didn't even conceive of the idea of an SG based on marginalized voices. Like they couldn't even comprehend it. Right. So we still get questions of just like, why are we here? And I was like, well, probably. Yeah. I was like, this or like, why? <laughs> yeah, I, was, I actually was about to ask you something still because I, I know like with with Chicago and DC, like they've been around. Uh, I know DC's been around since uh, day one of MLS. Chicago came right afterwards. So like, you're dealing with cultures that have been around for 20 plus years. Like what's been, uh, how's, how's that challenge uh, come into just trying to just bring to a space that's been like, okay, we are, we're blood in the soil. We're we're we we've been in this for for years, and how dare y'all say that something needs to change in in in, the, in this space? Yeah, I mean it's been difficult, especially on the DC United side. Like Doug said, we did get a lot of pushback from supporters groups saying, "Why are you doing this? Why are you not? We're we're only a supporters group for POCs." So, like Black Herons United we are only inclusive to POCs. It's You can still support us and not be a POC. And I think that was really hard for a lot of people to understand, like, why can't I be a part of this group? You can still support us, but this is a safe space for POCs only. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, this this question is kind of um, more so for, for Risk, Doug, and Scott. The dynamic with... NWSL is a little different from what um, what was encountered in, in USL and uh, in MLS. Um, like, what dynamics are specifically different in dealing with that, uh, with, with the women's soccer space? Well, I mean, I'm gonna say from my perspective, new to the SG scene, um, that well, one, this space has never had structure. Um, is still being developed. And then it's been overtly white, 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 white. So white, white extra white. So like the concept of like even MLS kit white, like MLS, not Spin even white. like white on another level, <laughs> like the new levels of white is levels mm-hmm. to it. Um, that you first off don't have teams in every city. And then for all the diverse cities, you still don't have, like you got teams in Houston, Orlando, which are largely uh, even New York, New Jersey, right? You got teams in largely diverse populations where you still don't have the fan bases that represent what the city looks like. You don't have as many supporter groups, um, one. And then two, you don't have that tie necessarily back to the MLS side. Um, but I mean, just even 
I don't, I don't, I think it could be easier to make a black supporter group in some cases, but then it could be hard because people aren't even recognizing the white supremacy that's rampant through soccer in the United States. And so like that conceptualization of even why you need a supporter group for people of color or whatever marginalized voice is going to fly over people's heads because they're not even understanding why the heck people were kneeling, you know? So mm -hmm. they're, there's, I mean, there's an opportunity for it to exist easier, but I mean, I can foresee pushback. I don't know. What y'all think? I'll, I'll let y'all answer first. Um, I think for us specifically on the Washington Spirit side, it was really more open and people were really excited about it. Um, so we never really got pushback to my knowledge and Doug, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but we never really got the pushback for it. And I think it's easy to say, yeah, we're going to do a supporters group. And you have to remember, this is all of our free time. We're all doing this for free. Like <laughs> this is not our full-time jobs. Um, but, you know, I, I think on the NWSL is a little bit easier to make that group happen. It's just a matter of people wanting to do it. I think a lot of it for us was the fact that Blackfire's kind of set the stage for us in terms of the 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 um, how to form it. Like I just looked at what they were doing. And I was like, okay, why don't we have that here? It was a perfect setup for that. And I thought, let's cook that here. I do think about the fact that um, women's soccer tended to reach out more to white suburban communities, richer ones out there, and it's very white. I'm gonna be honest. All you gotta do is like look at the demographics of the rosters of DC United versus the Spirit, and one is way more whiter than the other. True, true, true. Stuff like yeah. that, I think about. Yeah, and of course, especially given how the past year has gone for the Spirit. Of course, y'all had the the highest of highs with winning the NWSL championship, and of course, the lowest of lows uh, with the ownership battle and um, and scandals that, that have come out with the with the uh, with the spirit course, Tim Kang all the way, all the way. Um, but uh, yeah, um, let's see what we what else we got here. Um, but yeah, like just a next question here, like like why do clubs struggle to market and embrace uh, um, black, Latinx, Asian families uh, at, at games? Because it's not immediately profitable for them. Um, I think that's the thing we ran into here is whenever we would bring up, oh, like you guys aren't really reaching out to the black community in the same way that you're reaching out to like college white kids and old white people here. Um, a lot of the pushback we would get is, oh, like they're not into it yet. Like, that's just not true. <laughs> like, if you met anyone from the Caribbean or Africa, they're all about that shit. Like every time I met with my family, we'd have like a soccer ball in the backyard. Um, I think for them, they just haven't seen it uh, from a club standpoint. They just haven't seen the money returns to like get back what they they think they're putting in. But it's really not about that. You know what I mean? Like, I think everyone can agree here. It's not about the money. It's about long term, like you're doing the best thing for the game and you're doing the best thing for your community. So people have to separate those two. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, what what you got, uh, Josh? Yeah, you know what? I, I I think the the kind of line we're always trying to walk is like, what is um, how how is this 
how is this uh, better than just a tokenism, right? Like a cheap tokenism. Like I, Hey, shout out like the, the Asian nights where you get a cool hat. Right. But it's like, that's mm. usually where it stops. And then Jake, as you alluded to, like people, then the, the front office will ask like, where's our, where's our financial reward from this community that we've given a whole day to. And it's just, it's, it's very cheap. Cause you realize that like when they reach out consistently have a relationship with like more, more white majority college students and college campuses, like that's a partnership an ongoing partnership that's not only that's not only like financially important to them but like it's important to longevity and stuff so that's always what we're trying to walk man it's really like i think that's something that has that's kind of helped us to see why we are necessary as as kind of a, a like an asian american or korea town centered group is that like you cannot tokenize us because we do this stuff every day and you can't point to us you can't point to the community not believing in it because we live and we and we bleed and we do this stuff for free like we like we was mentioned before so i think that's always the kind of um what's on my mind is always like does this enhance visibility for all cultures in the game and then secondly like how deep does this go right how deep is that that response going to be from the club like what is it, what does what will it take for them to 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 realize that like we deserve the same kind of partnership that they've given these institutions for decades and generations yeah, definitely. Um, uh, just to kind of uh, piggyback on something that was said earlier, I, I think that the the challenges uh, uh, that I think kind of come is in a lot of cases, uh, teams don't market to our neighborhoods. They don't knock, they don't market to where we are. They think that you know they have to go where the money is instead of just like just like because you know, the the soccer fan base in this country is like. How many are really embracing MLS? How many are really embracing USL? How many are really embracing uh, NWSL? I think that, you know, like uh, Curtis can tell you, like even like here in Atlanta, like for for the amount of black faces that that are seen at United Games, like they're not they're not advertising south of twenty. They're advertising out in Athens and and not even going to Fairburn. Like it's nice down there, plenty of black people. They're not advertising down there, but we still managed to show up, but I think in a lot of cases we get we we end up having to just kind of like like force our way into the the situation. And I mean, I think for the newer teams, it's probably easier for for them to kind of at least embrace this to an extent. But like I like, said, so like that's why I kind of um, a little like with DC and Chicago, like they've been around for so long, it's kind of difficult. Like just for them to kind of understand it, yeah, like they're. There, there needs to be a space for us because black people are in the soccer, Asian people are in the soccer, even more Latinx people are are in the soccer. And you know, like that, that space need to, needs to be accommodated as well. Uh, see a comment on uh, from YouTube from K Kai seven one eight. Being in New York and seeing all Singalese in Harlem celebrate after winning Afcon, it's a shame. New York City FC doesn't do better outreach. So many untapped communities. Um, I know, like from from the people that I know up that way, there, New York's a, a a crazy beast because obviously New York City is is so wide and diverse. Uh, and in a lot of cases, I think the perception is like like with the West Indian community and African community, like, like they're not they're not bumping with MLS, they're not bumping with NWSL. But again, I I think that for a lot of teams, like. You have to. 
I don't think anybody's in a position where they can be like, hey, we, we've gotten all that we can get and more can always be done. So it's just a matter of the team stepping up and doing more to to uh, to reach out to more, be invited to the, hey, we want you at a, at a game. Doesn't matter if it's in in Bronx or or other day like up up in Hartford. Like get get those people out there and say like, hey, we, we want you to be a part of this. Uh, we got some uh, questions. Uh, you what, what you got, man? Let's see what we got here. Uh, from Giovanni Martinez. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like that has a presence at what club acknowledges Footy Mob. They do. How many uh, other club relationships with the SUs are in tonight's panel? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let y'all run with it. What you got? I guess I can take that for Nashville. I can say this, um, at least for Mixtape 615, we have a direct relationship with the club, and we have a contact to reach out with the club. Um, one of the things that we have, which you know a lot of clubs are looking at implementing or may not have, is a uh, supporters collective. So that's where all the officially recognized SGs come together. They collaborate. They have a voice with the club. For example, last week I was sitting in headquarters, you know, giving ideas about the new stadium that's coming, giving input. Um, Black History Month, obviously they reach out. Number mm-hmm. one, because, you know, it's obviously a good visual for them. But number two, it's also a good opportunity for us to interact with them to talk about what's going to happen for the rest of the year, right? And how do they remain engaged? So, at least for Nashville, um, the supporters collective has been really embracing each other. We have a Latinx uh, supporters group. We have three other officially recognized supporter groups, and then we have the unofficial supporter groups. But at least for the official supporter groups, we do have that direct line where if we need to press something with the club, bring an issue up. Um, if the messaging isn't right, right, we can look at being reviewed at what's going out into our community. And we have the opportunity to even, you know, correct a lot of things before they go out to our community, which is very important. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, one of the things, like I said, uh, Black History Month came out last month, and there were some particular themes or some imagery that came out, you know, in some of the initial renderings, and they said, hey, guys, you know, we have these things that we want to display. We want to do a patch, commemorative patch for Black History Month. Which one do you guys really like? Like, what's your input? So that was really helpful because through us looking at that, you know, we could take that and take it as an educational opportunity to say, well, you know, for this particular patch, I would not represent, you know, <laughs> an entire black community with this particular image, right? Let's not do that. <laughs> right, let's not do that one, right? Let's let's think about something that's more appropriate because, you know, we don't want to put, you know, my entire community in a particular class, right? Or different tropes. So it's very important that you have a relationship with your club, that you have an open line of communication and that they receive the feedback. Right. Because at the end of the day, um, this is all about analytics. Right. We talked about, you know, where they put advertising, what communities they put that in. Right. There's a revenue. There's a dollar amount that goes direct in hand with that. So it's not only just, you know, race, but it's also class. And then it's also about showing the numbers of, hey, we have a large representation of you know, African-Americans in the city uh, don't give up on, you know, one third of it. Right. 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 It it doesn't make sense from many different aspects. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now I know um, Jake with Blackfires, the, uh, the relationship with, I think both the, 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 the parent, the umbrella group with section eight, as well as the fire itself has been tenuous at best. Would that be a way to describe it? 
That's a nicer way than I'd put it. But <laughs> um, I think for us, like in terms of the club, it's actually really funny. Um, I think a lot of 2020, which I think the groups that have existed are going to know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of pain points we brought up with our club. Um, and it felt like screaming into a void. But you look at what they're doing now, the fire in particular, and it's like, it's like, damn, they got it. Like to the point where they're doing better. They're doing more for black people in the community than the supporters are. And I think that goes back to our relationship with Section 8, where having any type of relationship to the club automatically makes you suspect. And I think it goes back to what people are saying about how things have been the way it's always been and things like that. I think people don't realize that the way that worked for them doesn't work for everyone who's after them. So for us, we have to have a better relationship with the club because they have a more of a voice to reach out to the people that we want to reach out to. Um, Section A, it's not to put them under blast, but they've shown that they haven't been able to do that. Like they've been around for so long. We're just now coming up and it's, it's looked like whiteness the whole entire time. So um, I think that, and like, I'm from a Red Stars angle too, because we also are like, we're in with the Red Stars. Right. Um, it's bit like, I think like what Doug said, it's actually funny. Like we're so much in the same situation as, as Rose Room and so many, like we're basically like in the same boat in a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, ours is very similar in that we have a very, very, very supportive group in local 134 and the club. Um, but they tend to spin their wheels because they're not, they don't know how to reach out to anyone who's not rich and white, basically. So mm-hmm. yeah, shout out to two of closet, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's just like overall for us is like, we're, we have a great relationship with the club and the, the fans, particularly fire fans kind of don't understand how we operate and because they don't understand that means they automatically dislike it so mm. now i know josh uh with uh with with tigers um and 3252 like like is the relationship more so through the the collective or do y'all have a d- direct relationship with, with the club like how like how does that dynamic work yeah I mean, it's, a, it's a mix of both i'd say um we like um, like the folks over Nashville, we have uh, in, an independent supporters union, um, mm-hmm. a council made up of 10 recognized SGs. But I guess the recognition comes from the club as a mix of and a mix of the independent support council. Mm-hmm. I think we have gone above and beyond to make sure that the two entities are separate. So the club doesn't have oversight into our elections, onto our policy. But of course, you know, we're in the same boat together. We love this game. We love this. We came through for this club together. So. Um, we try to involve each other in all the discussions. So, yeah, we do have good connections with um, the front office staff who have, for the most part, been great. And I think it's uh, it really speaks to the diversity of employees at who are employed by the club as well. Like, not only on just, you know, like selling hot dogs at games, right, but like at creative director level, at president level, there is there is um, a really depth of diversity there. So, like, the the even the patch equation we we're talking about before right like that stuff is checked at the door because um the creative director is black you know and like that's a shout out to my guy marcus who who's always does a, an incredible job repping not only the la community but i think the black community in la trying to trying to bring the community in 
And so that's, I, I have a great deal of trust that goes that way. I think um, as supporters, what we, what we tend to fight for is, um, I mean, this is another, n- another, uh, Pandora's box, but like what the politics of sports look like and what we get involved mm. with as a, what the supporters union is comfortable getting involved with versus what the club is comfortable with getting involved with. And I think that, I think as we go on with, um, you know, players taking a knee, um, fighting against uh, racial discrimination, violence, like that's something that we can step to together. But I think having um, the supporter union take the lead on that has been, has been really uh, kind of to the, Kind of, kind of been a good job from the club. You know, like the supporters lead that, and we'll try and help you as many times as we can. But sometimes you do need um, a bigger message being sent out like that. Hey, this is Elliot. Sorry to interrupt the pod that you're enjoying right now. Promise we'll get back to it as quick as possible. But I just want to say thank you guys for taking the time for listening to this episode. If you want to support us further, you can do so by following us on Instagram at CanIKickItFC and on Twitter at CIKIFC. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at Can I Kick It FC and also on Twitter at C I K I F C. Thanks. Follow you guys later. Absolutely. And just a quick shameless plug uh, me and Skies had the opportunity to be on Josh's uh, FC FC podcast a few weeks back. If you haven't us already, make sure that you check out FC FC. That's a dope conversation and, and dope tease. Dope tease. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Uh, I wanted to get you, uh, Jermaine on the next question. Uh, like, how was the uh, first initial conversation you had with the front office? Like, once uh, you guys launched, I want to start with you first, but I'll open up to everybody else. Yeah, it's um, so so we're still trying to build uh, that relationship with the club. Um, you know, I kind of want to I want to pick back off of where uh, where what, what Brian was saying about Black History Month, right? And that it was like mm-hmm. obvious. Obviously, the club reached out to you guys for Black History Month, right? And, I know we're still a month old, right? But the club didn't do anything for Black History Month, right? Didn't, mm. didn't do a post, didn't do a patch, did nothing, right? Nothing. And so we're kind of trying to figure out what our relationship with the club is, right? Um, so a lot of our initiatives, we're doing it on our own, right? We're, like, we have a group together and we toss around ideas to talk about what we can do. Um, we took some of these ideas uh, to this meeting our you know our first meeting with the, the front office we had on last week mm-hmm. um you know i mean i mean it was a good meeting right it was like it was very informative they told us about the different processes about how to go about certain things and of course they tried to tell us all the things they were doing in the black community already and so we're still trying to figure out how to navigate that relationship right if if the club was doing so much in the black community already then there wouldn't be a score of black people saying we don't feel represented by the club. Right. Right, um, right. If you all were doing so much in the community already, you at least would have did a basic, basic, basic happy black history month post, right? Like something. So there's, yeah, again, we're trying to figure out what that relationship looks like. As of now, we are not officially recognized. Um, mm. It's something I'm interested in hearing about from other, from the other black SGs. Like, is there a process to become officially recognized. And so, you know, all of that has to go into the conversation about gatekeeping as well, right? Like, you know, we, we brought up these different ideas about, oh, we, you know, we should have chants that reflect, you know, Black Miami, we should have a trick daddy chant, we should have whatever. And the response often seems to be the same response, which is it needs to fit the culture of the club. 
I mean, there absolutely has to be a sh a, sh a shut up chant. I mean, that that just seems like automatic, right? It's, and yeah. that's the thing. And that's the thing, right? It's not like we're not trying to force anything, right? Like, <laughs> like Miami's black. Like we're not trying to force it. We're not trying to like you know scramble and look for black people that like football, right? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's a, there. Yeah, yeah, it's I, there. It's I, a I deep Caribbean community. I would say this. If you call yourself Atlanta United, if you call yourself Nashville SC, if you call yourself Inter Miami, then it's not about <laughs> the club's culture. It's about that city's culture, right? Because at the end of the day, you are a rep if you're going to claim the city, you have to represent the city in every neighborhood in the city. That's the only way that the club is going to survive. So it's important to kind of leave that mark upon the club that, you know, Hey, you guys can have this facility in Fort Lauderdale, or we can have this place in the fairgrounds in, of Nashville. But guess what? We won't show up. And right. And one of the things that's really been powerful for us is that, you know, every SG is going to be different. But if you have a really good supporters collective, they will stand with you if something is wrong. And they will say, you know, this is wrong and we won't show up to the match. Right. So that's right. the power of, you know, uniting and leveraging those relationships with those other SGs. You know, everybody has their own place. Everybody has their own objective. Everybody has their own whole role in this. Right. But it's really the power of all of you coming together because there's a financial impact. And at the bottom end of the day, that's what this is mostly about. Right. In the U.S., it's pay for play. Right. It's, right, 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 right. it's not only pay for play, but look at how much of David Tepper paid for Charlotte FC three hundred twenty five million dollars. Hello. to make that investment in cash and to want to see a return on that cash sooner rather than later. Right. He can't cut himself, and none of the owners can, especially the later owners who paid more money, cannot cut themselves off at the knees by going, I'm not going to advertise to this demographic of my city. Atlanta is 51% Black. And like what? Greg said, they don't advertise past a certain place. I don't see advertisements at the AU Center, which is literally a mile from the stadium. Hello. So that don't make no sense. They algorithm themselves out of profitability by going, we only go places where we see these people. Therefore, these must be the people who like our sport. Therefore, I don't need to spend my money elsewhere. When mm -hmm. if you ask anybody their top five soccer players of all time, at least three of them are going to be people of color. But there's that disconnect between the player on the field and the supporter in the stand, and then add in where the decision makers spend their time in our respective cities. And that's where we have this huge problem of teams going, oh, we did something. Yes, you threw $10,000 at a soccer pitch. Cool, but that's literally less than the bare minimum. What about mm -hmm. advertising? What about player outreach? Mm -hmm. What about giving, giving kids a ball and saying, Go home and play with this and put an Inter Miami, Atlanta United, Nashville SC brand on it. Let the kid kick it around. And then you know what? In 20 years, you might have a player. But at this point, you can't even get an advertisement on a public transit bus. And that's a huge problem. But I yeah. I was say, so I had a whole thought. Like, it's like the way they market soccer in this country is they act like it's the NFL. So they're trying to replicate NFL models. But this is soccer. Yeah. It's a global game. And so they're not like recognizing you got to get everybody named mama to want to come to your stadium and so then this lack of even understanding 
that like I played soccer in Atlanta. Like it was wild to me when the with the uh Atlanta beat wasn't marketing the black communities and they played in Herndon Stadium at the time, which is in the AUC. Like you gotta recognize who your who your populations are to make the money that you complaining that you're not making. Um, but this lack of understanding how to leverage the supporter groups operating in this white vision dream broke model. <laughs> like it's like you're not embracing the culture um or even in understanding the concept of how supporter groups can be so powerful and changing what your how your team impacts your city and it even generates money like leveraging you know the different the diversity within supporter groups that could possibly occur to figure out you know how do you get black people how do you get latinos how do you get asian people into the spot um this like total disconnect because everything's been done from a white white lens it's part of the bigger overarching issue. And so it's like frustrating. Cause like, even for me out here trying to ask people, Hey, you want to come to a soccer game? You know, people not realizing I'm getting black people saying, I didn't think soccer was for me. Cause it looks like a white sport in mm-hmm. the United States. Right. Or I ain't never thought about going to a soccer game. Cause hell I play, but like, I was never going to be on a national team or playing college. And so these are the things you got to fight through when you even, in a city like Los Angeles, where you got a lot of black people, but how are you going to get people mm-hmm. to the game beyond, okay, we got a bunch of black people on the team. Like right. it's like recognizing all these things. And so then understanding you need to have the different diverse faces that encompass your city to appear in different groups. But yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I, I think that um, uh, to kind of piggyback on, on Kurt's uh, statement, like again, the AUC is literally like, not even like a mile from Mercedes Stadium and like the advertising just isn't there. And like, like I mentioned earlier, like you go south of 20 is, is essentially non-existent. And I think I mentioned in one of our 100 different chats, like it's amazing that we have showed up the way, the way we had in spite of that lack of outreach uh, to the community. Of course, you have things like Soccer Streets that have done a great, uh, a great deal of outreach. But again, like, it, I always said that they, they could always, always be more, always be more. Uh, shout out to uh, Phil for that last uh, comment about official recognized uh, supporter groups. Yes, that that whole process in itself is definitely something that. Yeah, it could be a bit a bit cumbersome depending on you know if you got the numbers, if you got the 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 money coming in and all, and all that. That that could be a whole conversation with within itself. But uh, be a shout to uh Phil for that. Um, let's see what, what what other questions we got here, Yogi. Uh, while while we wait on that, of course, um, just to kind of about next week uh next week on ftc utd uh we actually have an episode dedicated to our week uh waking up in um charlotte uh for their first game last week against against la galaxy it's a dope experience um like uh kurt said davis tepper put a lot of good money up up in uh into just that whole experience and i'm sure for those y'all who saw it on fox yes uh it's, it's quite a bit of course they come down here uh, to Atlanta uh, this weekend, and um, yeah, we uh, we should uh, have a uh, have a good time there. Uh, hold on, Yogi, Yogi said he got something, so let's let's see what we got. One, what you what you got, man? Uh, da, 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 da. If I can add something while we're waiting, on yeah, that. yeah, go, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You know, I, I do want to I do want to be clear, right? Like, Inner Miami does a great job 
of reaching out to the Latinx community, right? Yeah, like, they're, they're deep. Like, shout out to Vice, the Vice City. Like, yeah, like, they, they, like they, they, they do it. No, absolutely, right? Like, in the context of U.S. soccer, right, Inter-Miami is, is doing a beautiful job bringing in an underrepresented community, right, in the context mm-hmm. of U.S. soccer. The thing that, I guess, really bothers us as Black Karens is that the history of Miami football, the history of Miami soccer is deeply ingrained in the Black community, right? Like going back to the 1970s of the North American Soccer League, right? Like the like Miami Gatos and the Miami Toros, like their MVPs of the NASL were Black players, mm-hmm. right? Like again, so like this isn't this isn't something we're trying to force, and so we know if the club can do this incredible re- outreach to the to the Latinx communities, they can do that same type of outreach to the Black communities. What you got, Doug? Uh, something to go back to a point Josh had about the diversity within the FOs. One of the things that changed the direction for DC United for us that has been huge has been when they hired Danita Johnson as mm-hmm. the team president. That right. changed course on things so much in terms of relations with the supporters and the direction where the team wanted to go. Her background, there were people saying like, oh, she doesn't have a soccer background. What does she know about this? And I'm like, if anything, it was better that she doesn't have a soccer background. Her background is in the WNBA, which frankly, I think applies better here than anything else. And that has been tremendously helpful for our relationship with DC United on that front, which was in the past was not great. Kyle, you've been quiet. What's, 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 what you got? I don't know why I'm being called out like this. All right. But no, I guess I can answer some of these previous questions in terms of the relationship with the front office. I think with Madison, and this is more of a lower league soccer benefit is the owners and the players and the fans have a really close relationship because if the owners don't have the fans show up, the own that team will go broke. It will fold. It will not exist. So they need the fans to be bought in. They need fans to have input. And I think we've had we've been able to have that conversation with the owner since day one. And you know, yes, the ownership has made mistakes, um, but they've also tried their best to make sure, like going into Black History Month, they're the one that's they're at least initiating the conversation. They for Juneteenth, they but in 2020, they were saying, "Hey, we're gonna have a culture night. Like, what do you guys think? What should we do?" Unfortunately, COVID kind of threw those plans out the window. But then you kind of jump back in 2021. And they're like, "All right, we're gonna do this again." How do we do it? And I think it was because of that we were able to have that Juneteenth celebration, you know, having Black-owned restaurants provide the food at the stadium, having mm-hmm. a Black band play, having a Black woman sing the Black National Anthem and the National Anthem, having something like that, along with, you know, we were able to collab and make a scarf. Chris does an amazing job working with them. So I think we've had that benefit of being in lower league soccer that we didn't have as much barriers with communicating with the club because the club that is, like I said, the club has to listen to the fans or they will not exist. Um, So we've been lucky in that regards, but in terms of officially recognized, I think we, that's one of those where if you want to make it work, you're going to make it work. You know, we've been lucky with the flock and Featherstone, you know, the flock oversees all of it. The only time really you have to go through a process just if you need money. And that's just more of a, Hey, this is what we want to do. The board votes on it. The board's going to say yes. If the board doesn't say yes, shits hits the fan, and we're probably going to have a huge shit show in lower league soccer. But no, I think it's just it's interesting listening to everyone else's, just because for my perspective, being in that lower league soccer where it is a lot more closer relationship between the fans and the front office, it's been easier for us. But we've also again been lucky that we've been there in the front office's ear since day one. Absolutely, and uh, on the note of uh, collaboration. Um, 
course, uh, uh, Tigers and Black Fires have done collaborations before. Um, I know, of course, we we I would be remiss if we didn't talk about just the the internationally known Henny Derby with with Ford yeah. and and and, uh, and Richard Kickers. Um, what do we have to look forward to uh, uh, this year um, in, uh, for the Henny Derby? Like I said, hopefully now that you know most of us can travel now. Most of us got 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 backed up. Like what what um it's been a while since we've been able to to congregate and everything. What's uh what we got to look forward to this year? Thankfully, now that uh, USL has a more balanced schedule, it actually makes things a little bit easier. So Richmond and Ford Madison will play three times. Hopefully, Ford Madison wins it, and if not, then we might have another coach get fired because that's been the history. If you don't win the Henny Derby, you end up getting fired at the end of the season. <laughs> um. Thankfully, we have three matchups. So the first one is going to be in Richmond, and this is the only time it's in Richmond. That's going to be Saturday, May 7th. Then the second matchup will be June 23rd. That is unfortunately a Thursday in Madison. So if anyone mm. wants to travel and stay up for the weekend, feel free. Otherwise, I think the big one, the finale, uh, this is going to be the second to last match of the season for both teams, and that'll be Saturday, October 8th. And I feel like that one could have huge implications, not only for the Henny Derby, but also playoff positioning in general. And... You, you will get another bottle, Yogi. You will find a way. If you get swept, you are making another bottle, damn it, because I want that shit back in my house. <laughs> uh, at least y'all have a schedule. I mean, uh, Riz, do we do we have an NWSL schedule? Listen, like, oh. <laughs> we Riz have no schedule. It is March, and we still have no schedule. I'm waiting for it. You know, some people like me, I work on the weekend, so I have to plan myself accordingly and take PTO in, in order for me to go to a game. A lot of people are waiting on these to book vacations, trips, especially if they want to go to away games. We're all sitting here waiting. TikTok, NWSL, what are we doing? She's got Alex Morgan now responding Morgan. to her tweets. I'm famous now. <laughs> she out here. I'm out here. <laughs> uh, there was a question that uh, I think Yogi uh have posted me one second while i dig that back up i know there was uh one question that uh, i think rich uh, po uh posed as far as just like like what can supporters do as far as just to better market black players asian players latinx players like what can the supporters do from that because like because i at least from what i've learned through the growth of the shea butter fc podcast is that a lot of people a lot of teams aren't giving players of color much of a platform at all and, not at all and, uh, not like, at so all. like what what can the supporters do from there just to kind of help elevate and, and give everybody their shine um, they, oh. i mean well go ahead <laughs> no you got it um to me i know with the spirit they have just kind of i know especially with ownership change and things changing in their front office um they actually put out, I think it was last week, they are doing a duo for the DC United and the Spirit, they're doing a duo for tickets. And they yeah. used Trinity Rodman, which I don't know what y'all been waiting on to use Trinity Rodman to market her. You have black players who are on the team that you, A, have not given a voice to, and B, you're not using them in any marketing at all. Across the league, we're not using it. And we really need to step that up. It's insane to me that you have so many talented black players in the league and we're not using them at all for any sort of marketing high key the blessed players are black but that's neither here nor there <laughs> neither here nor there also let's uh, talk about the black women's player collective that's another thing yeah 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 let's get, let's get into that 
because they're not highlighted like they need to be either. Right. And they uh, don't even have like the support they need as they should. Hopefully we we can fix that this year. I know uh Jake had a point. I know he's been sitting on for a hot minute. Um, what you got, man? I mean, this kind of goes into a grander point of what Jermaine was saying earlier about being officially recognized. I think really the most important marketing, the most important bringing spotlights onto things is like what we're doing now. I think the most important soccer support collective that I would want to be a part of is this right here. Like if your club is giving you shit, if your supporters are giving you shit, like I know I've fallen back on pretty much everyone here to like get us going to like get ideas for how to approach certain situations. Um, I know we make our own noise with our own players with like Andre and people like that. At the end of the day, I think like really a relationship with the club and a relationship with your other supporters that are there that are kind of like making things hard for you are kind of secondary. Like the best support really I find is like with, with y'all and like getting ideas with you guys, our collab with me and Josh was super sick. That got people like looking at what we were doing. Um, So really, I mean, I think the end of the day, which was, which is actually really cool and answering the overall question about like marketing and bringing noise to what you want is just like the homies bringing it up with you. I mean, we're about to make this rivalry with Douglas this week and Riz. Um, you just got to do your own shit like Kyle and um, like Kyle and Yogi did. Like at the end of the day, people are going to see. I think the one benefit of soccer being so white is that it's kind of boring. So like anything that's not boring is going to get people's eyes on stuff. So I'm going to shut up. Shout <laughs> <laughs> to Jake and the Black Fires fam for you know what what I think is a is, is a good kind of tie into to all this is like football language and football culture is so rich but there's so, because you can add on your own flair to it so right when you're even supporting black players players of color bringing in Tifo Trapo all that of your player likenesses shout out to Black Fires for all their incredible Tifos with just fucking liberation messages across like hanging in the stadium. I was, I was just so inspired by that. I mean, f- fucking footy mob and Atlanta United when that, when we played you, when you played y'all at, um, in, uh, at the bends and y'all rolled out the fucking, the South's got something to say fucking Tifo. And it, it, it punched me like in, like in the gut of how good that shit was. Right. And it was just so revolutionary because like we've been we've been not scared but like that's for a lot of our supporters like that kind of hip-hop language is not the the primary one so we haven't leaned towards heavy towards that but seeing that in such beautiful color come to life i was so inspired by that i envious of it jealous of it you know and jimmy i think you 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 uh spoke to like people being afraid of like the culture of the club being like muddled up by like a new message and i think we talk about gatekeeping, man. Like we, we came in uh, a season or two ahead of you, right? And I think our supporters, some of the older heads, and even I've noticed that, recognizing my own group, that kind of um, personality of being like, hey, we did it right once. This is how it always has to be. And that's not true at all. You know, I think second season on, I just had like a RIP nip, just a double up mindset being like, we need to, this game is so big for us. The city's so big for us. We can continue to to kind of win people over by trying new things, right? And I think when you talk about the culture of a club and we haven't been here for 20 years, like fire had been, like, it's like, hey, everything's on the table still, right? Like we honor what we did so far, but we really truly have to to be innovative in, in terms of winning our communities over to this game. 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, if, if nothing else, uh, you know, what I, you know, part of like what with the, with my podcast with FTC UTD, like one one of the mission goals was to get this type of a situation happening where cause I think like for a lot of us, what we ran into, like I think when we first started going to games is that you think that it's just it's just you and you just think like, hey, like I might see another another person of color. Um, like, like I know, uh, me and uh, Jake and Phil used to joke about uh, pictures that would get posted online. Like, how many black people are, are in this picture? Like, you know, like, okay, I see, I see three of the possible. See, just to just to put some spades up into it. But you know, like, this is what this is what this should be all about. Is just like having that opportunity to network and connect and, and know that you're not alone. It's you're definitely not alone and you know there's more of us out there there's always more of us out there and again it's just all about bringing those uh those people in, into the community and then let them know that hey like you have you definitely have a space here and you know, i try to support as many of the crew as possible footy mob richmond forward black fires um i know i got i got about three different uh tigers uh scarves and everything and like this like you know, just if nothing else, before we uh, wrap up here again, just you know, continue to to support each other. Hopefully, we, we uh, everybody can do more collaborations in, in the future. And you know, let's let's say let's keep growing this thing. But um, let's uh give each other like some, some final thoughts. Like like, what are your goals for this year for your group and just the community of course they get with us finally being able to congregate? We uh we might be able to get some things done. Which uh, let's uh, start with. Uh, Doug and then Russ. Um, I hope this. I hope events like this just get other people watching and think, well, why don't I have this in my own community? I hope they see this and decide, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Because that's what happened with us. I see what TSG, I saw what Blackfires did, I thought, fuck it, let's do it with this. I hope someone else watches this and does the same in their community if they're lacking that kind of space. Check out Russ. Um, I think just to piggyback off of what Doug said, you know, the same thing um, for me personally, I, I hope that we have a better relationship with both of our teams and working to, you know, market their black players and to market, you know, their black supporter group. They know that we exist, but I think it's really important for us to be seen as a supporter group. So I hope that that's something that we can do. Uh, let's go with Kyle. I won't make class this time. So like I said, I'll make sure to include you. What you got, Kyle? All right. I, I guess one of the biggest things I'll highlight is there is no one exact way you can do it. Obviously, look at what everyone else is doing and get motivation for that and then try and put your own spin into it. And I think the other thing is if you genuinely put in, obviously, people will notice the work you're putting in. And the more you can try and do, obviously, everyone, this again, like we've said, we're doing this all for free. So we're going to definitely do our best, put in that work and kind of like what Doug was saying, like, you know, it's funny because like Chris down in New Mexico, you know, he went and saw what we were doing and decided to do his own thing. And, you know, everyone, I think, gets the motivation and just see what everyone does and then put your own spin on it. Obviously, do it. That relates to your city. Do it. That relates to your club. Do it. That relates to your community. Uh, Jake, once again, sun's up. What, what you got, Jake? Uh, I think mine is there's a comment that happened a few seconds ago about black SG culture being a big family. And that's, I think the biggest thing you can really, that I've gotten out of doing all this. Like when me and Phil started, 
seeing all the other groups that came in and seeing all the other things that we can learn from, seeing all the awesome people that we can just like just show up to a city and just hang out with people, share ideas. And I think we, I think us as people of color tend to have to think further along because that's how you get by. But it's nice just going to a city like we're about to do in DC and just enjoying the game and having fun. I think that's really the most important thing that we have to get out of this is just making sure we're constantly doing that too, instead of continuing to just stressing about everything about the future. So I think that's just as important too. Indeed, indeed. Brian, uh, hop up in here. What you got? Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, I just want to thank everybody for the opportunity just to sit here and collaborate and share ideas with everybody, right? But, you know, I think um, for each one of our SGs, we just have to remember, you know, that, you know, we are, you know, a loud black voice in a predominantly white space. Right. And so when we say that we have a certain responsibility. Right. Not only, you know, representing ourselves, but our community and our community interests. So I think we just need to continue to kind of press that. Right. And what we've learned tonight right through this podcast is that we're not alone. Right. We have other SGs that are of a similar hue that are fighting the same battles, right, globally, not just here, right? So we need to, uh, you know, continue to collaborate, continue to participate in conversations like this, because through that, you know, there's real power and the opportunity to elevate and to be heard, right? So, um, so yeah, I think one of the first things that I did, you know, as I became president of this particular SG is I reached out to the footy mob, right? Because they were close, right? They're right in her backyard, And we saw a lot of things that they were chronicled on and a lot of things that directions that we wanted to take, you know, um, from their example. Right. Um, But then, like you said, we wanted to do our own thing here in Nashville. But, you know, I I think we're in a very unique space. I think we are a minority within our own community. And we just have Mm -hmm. to remember that and keep on pushing forward. Right. Because we're at the beginning of this. And, you know, we want to think about, you know, what our initial you know, objectives are, but we also need to think long term and what we're doing in our communities, how we're building the support and who's going to replace us right when we're gone. From the rocking chair of retirement, uh, what you what you got, Kurt? For me, I got to say that for anybody watching this, existence and presence is a form of resistance. And anybody that's trying to keep you out of the stadiums is paying the exact same amount for a ticket as you are. So your place is just as valid as anybody else's. But for people that are in this room and are in SGs already, remember to share the sport from a place of love because people are going to pick up on your love of it and then they're going to want to be a part of that. So that's how we grow this, by sharing something that, quite frankly, sells itself. But the culture is like this thing of love that we can give to other people and really make this much bigger than it already is. Cool, cool. Appreciate you uh, coming through with us. Uh, Josh, uh, what, what you got, man? Yeah, man, I think this year for us, I really want um, more of our group to to go out and meet meet everybody here, right? I want, I think, going to Atlanta and seeing, you know, Doug, Doug and um, even uh, Jake, who, who, whose teams were not playing that weekend to show up. Right, right, right. And hang out. I felt such a, like, a kinship, right? Like, we're, we are the the soccer supporters of America. And I, I've never felt so um, so aligned with people that I never met in my life before. So I think for us to, as travel restrictions lift, like actually have that kind of face-to-face um, kind of connection and know that when you're in LA, like, please, please hit my line. Like you guys are always welcome. 
you know, at my pad, we'll, we'll, we'll do a Cape Town day together, Cape Town night together, more importantly. And then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep celebrating this thing. And, and Sky, I got to come see you. Sky, there's no excuse. Me and, me and Sky are about like five miles apart. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking yeah, forward to that. Man. Absolutely. And um, Jermaine, with the new kids, uh, Black Herons, uh, what you got, man? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just trying to, you know, keep building, uh, trying to increase our membership day by day. Uh, we had a Black History Month series that focused on Black football in Miami or in the South Florida region. Um, we're doing some work with Little Haiti FC, uh, trying to get into more Black communities. Um, for Juneteenth, Footy Mob, Kurt, let's link up. Uh, Inner Miami versus Atlanta. Let's make this happen. Let's, you know, let's do something. So we're just trying to just do the work, you know, we're just trying to do the work and, um, you know, establish a presence in the community. And this has been great, um, you know, Inner Miami, you know, talks about La Familia all the time, right? But, this, you know, this has kind of been really, you know, the, <laughs> you know, the best family that Black Cairns has, you know, has, has been a part of uh, thus far. Everyone on Twitter, everyone on social media, uh, like right, like the day before we launched, right? Like we reached out to as many of you guys as possible just to let y'all know, like, we're, like, you know, we were launching and y'all just showed us you know the you know the greatest support so thank y'all you know thank y'all for welcoming us with, with with open arms and uh we're gonna continue to build absolutely again I'm, I'm glad that you guys are filing in 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 the mix um in miami i think that the black community in miami with inner miami is definitely something that needs to be hit hard uh i mean given given the makeup of miami i'm, I'm sure uh uh sky could probably get into that as well we we know it's 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 very uh mixed in and um and uh oftentimes fractured but uh it's something that still needs to be, to be hit and um yeah uh, scott uh, first of all that's a very nice lot line of uh hoodies you got there behind you i, I know I, all I, these I, hoodies I, from ftc even some custom stuff you see a crystal press jersey behind me like you yeah, got yeah. a crystal gun you got, you got all <laughs> kind of stuff ac pandemonium what you, what you got okay so i was gonna say thank y'all all to everybody on here today um all the work y'all do and whatever sg you're in particularly black plc sgs y'all voices are much needed and representation so keep fighting the good fight and you know we all about see at shea butter we all about breaking down doors knocking down gates banging gates down making new gates making new stuff making new chance so i mean a big thing and part of why we had rose room black fires we started a document because we really want to help do a support thing or like build a way of connecting no matter where, if you're in MLS or you USL, NWSL to help black fans, black supporter groups stay connected, keep fighting a good fight. Um, we're trying to do a network of some sort. We're working out what that looks like. But um, part of why I wanted to be on this one today is to see and hear some of the things y'all are going through. Um, but to also provide support in whatever capacity we can, because, you know, collective action is mad powerful in changing things and just being able to see ourselves goes a long way. And so there's so much we can do. Um, love to collaborate with everybody. Um, we can do some crossovers at some point, um, for sure. If you haven't been on Shea Butter FC, but yeah, looking forward to what's coming up. We got mad stuff cranking out very soon. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, with like this episode here, this roundtable here is the quintessential example of what I say at the end of every FTC episode where I say the culture is real, the culture is everywhere. Like this is a, a living example of that. And, you know, whether it's here in Atlanta, 
LA, Madison, DC. I said, everybody's got their own flavor and it's something that belongs in this community. And I can't be any more thankful to have all of you come on, on the show with us uh, uh, this week. Uh, um, again, uh, you'll be able to hear this episode both on the Can I Kick It feed as well as the FTC uh, podcast feed. Um, again, uh, thank you to everybody that's uh, been able to show me. Of course, before we had it here, let's uh, give it to the boss that uh, that made this all happen. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Yogi, what's good I'm with you, boss? boss? I'm just here. Yeah, man, that's pretty good, man. Uh, so hopefully, uh, we we can do some more of these, and uh, and and possibly even a person, and possibly even in a hotel where the clerk won't be checking us for it for every five minutes. That is very true. That is very true. Um, no, but real quick, um, I'm just very thankful, uh, for everyone that was able to join in and be a part of this uh, collective thing. This is something that we throw on annually every year. We have a roundtable about a certain event, a certain topic. Um, and this one really hit home for me because I am the quote-unquote supporters group president for the River City Red Army for the Richmond Kickers. Um, and all of these people I've spoken to about certain things that came up, um, how do I deal with a certain situation with things like that. And you don't realize, like Gregor, like you said, you don't realize how many people have gone through a situation unless you talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you always get a sense of feeling of, all right, I'm not going through this by myself. So um, I just want to thank those people for everyone that has been watching the show, sharing the show. Um, I want to say thank you to you guys because definitely without you, uh, this show would not be possible uh, without you guys. And we love putting the content that we put out there. So um, to wrap things up, because it is getting late, (laughs) um, if you just take the time out of your day, um, make sure you follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at CanIKickItFC. you can also donate to the show to help us out monetarily. All the money goes there. Um, and well, Greg, I'm so glad you said that because I need to put the banner up there. <laughs> um, last thing but not least, you can also follow this guy's great show, For the Culture United. Um, also, our brother and sister podcast, Two Cents FC, Shea Butter FC, um, and also Comic Color. Um, yeah. So, with that being said, guys, be easy, be safe. We will holler at you guys later. And we're going to end the show.